This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle, Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Hello, and welcome back to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. I'm Jamie Hearn, and today I'm super excited to chat with Tracy Rampling Brown. She's an international best-selling author, certified moonologer, can't wait to find out about that, lunar business strategist, moon mentor, and founder of the Moon Manifestation Academy. Her mission is to help astro-curious, multi-passionate women reconnect with their intuition, harness the energies of the lunar cycles, and rebalance their divine masculine and feminine energies so they can ditch the outdated burnout business paradigms, embrace ease and flow, and succeed on their own terms. Um, yeah, that sounds like exactly what we all need. An Aussie girl at heart, Tracy lives in glorious Italy with her husband, two children, and a Bengal cat named Maple. Maple for a Bengal cat, you're going to have to tell us the background on that one. Uh, she has been featured on Thrive Global, Elephant Journal, and has appeared on various podcasts and delivered several keynote presentations. Her fifth book, Revolutionary Leaders, is due for release this summer. Awesome. So nice to meet you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jamie. It's, I love the name of your podcast. I mean, witches, bitches, and dead people. How is this not going to be awesome? Thank you. I totally agree. Uh, before every call, I always pull a card. And today I'm using the Path of the Soul card deck by Cheryl Harnish. It's super pretty. Um, and the card we got is Egyptian Eagle. I, it's really fascinating. And I can honestly say I have never gotten this card before. So that was awesome. <laughs> um, I love the artwork on it. I know. Very They're so, every one of them is spectacular. Um, the card says that it's time to release all your past ideals that no longer serve you. This card represents completion and shift into the new. Um, how does that resonate with you? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, number one, it's super spot on because right now we're actually in the waning moon phase, like on the way into the new moon, which is all about clearing out and letting go of all of like what doesn't work anymore. Um, but also I, one of my new projects since we decided to do this, I'm actually launching a publishing house called Gemini Moon Press and announcing on the new moon. So you guys are hearing it here first, maybe second. But anyway, um, a book, a collaborative book project called Lunar Wisdom, which is all about reconnecting with the divine feminine through rituals, spells, magic, and the phases of the moon. So awesome. Yeah, so it is. It's very much like I'm super into like clearing out all of the things that just aren't working. I've been redesigning my website. I've been revamping my Moon Manifestation Academy membership tiers and like a bunch of things to bring it all into alignment as I then step onto this new thing. So I think you nailed it, Jamie. 
I will have to grant all the credit to Spirit. I just get to be the the vehicle that delivers that. But that's awesome. Um, you have some uh, really amazing body of work that you share with the world. And while we probably don't have time to give all of it the credit that is due, so you'll just have to come back. I think that's probably the best plan. Um, I really want to oh. know about... <laughs> I'll just have to suck it up, you know. <laughs> I really want to know about the Bengal cat named Maple. <laughs> okay. So Maple actually came to us when we were still living in Australia. And I'm not sure if you've seen many Bengal cats before, but the one that we have, they do come in different colours depending on what types. But we've got the classic golden, you know, glittery kind of Bengal tiger style Bengal cat. Yeah. And when we were, the kids at the time were about eight and ten. And we were reading the Percy Jackson books. And so we were very much, you know, like my son and I were like, yeah, we could call her. I think he wanted to call her Athena. And I was like, oh, we could use Artemis or, you know, and my husband was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And so we ended up deciding on maple because maple syrup is the same color as her fur. And everybody in the house liked maple syrup. So she is um, I love it. Yeah. And then we brought her with us to Italy. And, of course, no one knows what maple, like maples. So the word it translates to in Italian is acero, A-C-E-R-O. So um, when I introduce her to people, I'm like, her name is Maple, come acero, so that they know what I mean. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> So do they not have maple syrup in Italy? Yes and no. You can buy it in the supermarkets. It's quite expensive and they don't really use it the way that we do here. It's not really common um, in Italian households to have it and use it because I don't really think they do pancakes the way that we do in, you know, more Western countries, I guess. It's not really a big... They don't do breakfasts the way that we do. Their idea of breakfast is like a croissant and a cup of coffee or like they have breakfast biscuits. They'll eat biscuits for breakfast, you know, like we sit there with a bowl of cereal. They'll have like four of these chocolate biscuits um, and a glass of milk and a yogurt and an apple. And that's a perfectly valid breakfast here. My kids love it. (laughs) I haven't spent much time in Italy, but... I can remember the the chocolate croissants. I don't I don't like chocolate, but the chocolate croissants that they served at breakfast like in the restaurants I went to. Oh my god, they were the like decadent. So I can understand not being distracted by pancakes when you have things like that <laughs> to consume. <laughs> I mean, we are the country that is the home of Nutella and actually where we live in Italy in the region of Piemonte is actually where the Ferrero factory is. Oh wow. Um, and so Nutella is in everything. Like literally when you go to, you don't just ask for a chocolate croissant, you ask for, you know, a brioche with Nutella. Um, and that is a chocolate croissant. And it's literally like they pipe the Nutella into the chocolate. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so let's jump over to the moon. When did you first develop a fascination with the moon? It's funny that you should ask that because I actually found some journals from enough like 20 years ago recently and 
I've actually been working with the moon for, you know, for a long time. I did take a big break in the middle, like when I had my kids and I really stopped being very witchy because I didn't have time to do anything of my own. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> kind of like got sucked into the mummy void. Um, but it, I guess, reawakened in me really went around just before the pandemic started actually I did cover actually my moon journey in the first book that I did aligned leaders and wrote a chapter called master manifester and it actually went through this journey of um working with the moon cycles starting just like about six months before the pandemic but really I guess once we went into lockdown here in Italy we pretty much spent the first six months of the pandemic more or less in hard lockdown Mm. and I discovered Yasmin Boland's Moonology Oracle cards and got hold of her Moonology Diary and really started working with the moon cycles and what was really interesting about that was all of the things that I was teaching in my coaching practice at the time about soul alignment and doing forgiveness work and all and you know goal setting and setting soul aligned goals was actually literally exactly what they what Yasmin was teaching in her moonology Mm. work but timing it with the moon cycles. And so it was super easy for me to transition into that because it was literally everything I was already doing with my clients, but just giving it the framework of, okay, at the new moon, we set our intentions and we work out what it is that we want to bring in. And then also focusing it on different parts of our lives or businesses based on which astrological sign the moon was in. So that was a that was a new part of the journey for me moving into moonology, um, but really the setting intentions and doing the forgiveness work I was already doing, um, and I love doing it with the moon because it's so cathartic to do it every month. It feels like it's amplified by mm-hmm. the moon cycle too, because doing the work is you know its own energy, but then when you couple it with the moon energy that feels super potent um and there's something else you said that I wanted to ask you about it'll come back (laughs) so uh, this all just fascinates me that it like kind of found you and dovetailed with what you what you were already sharing with the world um in your process how do you specifically gear to business owners or entrepreneurs? Yeah, so when I first started, I wasn't, I mean, I was coaching entrepreneurs, not not because I was only coaching entrepreneurs, but I was working with a lot of entrepreneurs. And initially, I resisted bringing the woo into my business oh. from that point of view, because I was like, I when I got into coaching, I'd come from a background where I was planning to go into corporate coaching and going into businesses and talking about employee engagement and, you know, like very masculine paradigm kind of goal setting and stuff. And it wasn't until then we moved to Italy and I didn't have the language skills to be able to do that um, in local companies here. So I was like, oh, that's okay. I'm just going to... um, you know, I'll do life coaching as a side hustle for a bit while my Italian gets better. And I realized that I actually really much preferred working with clients one-on-one. And then that was how I was like, oh, I don't like this masculine paradigm goal setting and like reading the book, like the training manuals that I had done my training with. 
I wanted to vomit, right? <laughs> I was oh. like, oh, this is so gross. I can't show this to my clients. And that kind of led me into then create like creating my own program. And then so as I started to incorporate the moon more into my own personal life, it started bleeding into my business and into the things I was doing with my clients. And so it really started, I guess, with business owners, we would look at what areas of their lives felt out of alignment and we would look at how they could focus their intention setting at the new moon. So if it was a good time, depending on their rising signs or their astrological houses placements. So for example, this new moon in Gemini that's coming up, Gemini represents the third house of the zodiac, which is the house of communication. Mm. It's also about trips and siblings and neighbors and things like that. So I started talking to business owners about how that if that was in their personal third house, that would be a really amazing time to think about how they wanted to communicate with their audiences. How do you want to get your message across? How do you want to be heard? you know, in your content, in your videos, like what is it that you want to say? What is What message is it that your clients need to hear or that you want to, to convey? But also then focusing on things like, especially as we started coming out of lockdown with the short trips, you know, lots of people wanted to be able to travel for work again or to have the opportunity to go and do some of those things. And I was like, okay, well, this is a really great time to make those intentions for this next 12 months about where do you want to travel or what do you want to do with your work if you do want to travel for work like let's think about that how is this going to factor in over the next 12 months and then as you move through you know different moon phases um so the second house and the eighth house do with money so one of them is literally about like your cash net worth um position you know like the cash that you receive but the other one is about joint finances which, of course, when you're launching um, programs and things like that, your money is tied up with someone else. It's tied up with your clients, right? You aren't, yes, you're putting your offer out there, but it also, like, requires the people that you're attracting to say, yes, I want that. Like, I want to be in on that. And so, again, really amazing times to focus that intention setting on, I want to call in these people. The moon is in my eighth house. This is an amazing time to be either launching or to set the intention so that I can launch next month or something that, like that. That's so interesting. Like that's a perspective I honestly never was on my radar. So that's super useful. Um, I love that you bring light to all of these other elements because my knowledge of the moon is I can – go and find out whether it's new moon, full moon, waxing, waning. And that's about it. So it's fascinating that you're bringing in all of these other energies like the so new moon in Gemini. Is that because we're in Gemini season right now? Or is there something else? Yeah, so the new moon happens when the sun and the moon are in the same sign. So because we are in Gemini season, so the sun is in the constellation of Gemini, the new moon happens when the sun and the moon are together. And so that means that we have the new moon in Gemini. So the new moon in any sign will always happen during that season. Got it. By contrast, the full moon will always be in the opposite sign, almost Mm. the opposite sign, because the full moon happens when it's completely opposite the sun. 
right, in the cycle. We're halfway through the cycle and it's basically on the other side of the Earth, right? And so that means that in the sky, the, when we look at it, the sun's on one side and the moon is now on the opposite side. So constellation-wise, it's literally. <laughs> I had that side. exact experience. I was in Sedona and I, I'm an early riser, so I'm in the East Coast. When I go to the West Coast, I'm up at like three in the morning, four in the morning. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do now? So I hiked up to one of the vortexes and watched the sunrise on the full moon. And I could wow. literally like they were perfectly aligned opposite each other. And I got to sit like right in the middle. It was the coolest thing ever until there was a rattlesnake there. Then it was time to go. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would have been a hard path for me. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Somebody beam me up. I'm done. Um, but yeah, so it's in the opposite part of the sky. So of course, if we are in Gemini, then that means that the opposite to that is Sagittarius. So our next full moon, so we just had the full moon in Scorpio. Our next full moon will be in Sagittarius, which is directly opposite Gemini in the sky. Awesome. This is so fascinating to me. Like, from my perspective, there are a lot of moving parts. So I'm really excited mm -hmm. that you have a grasp on them all. So you can be the expert. And I, and I could be like, Tracy, guide me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, do you know what, I think you're starting in the best place possible. If you know, when is waning, waxing, full moon, quarter moon, new moon, that is the basic foundation to understand any kind of moon work, right? And if you understand those basic fundamentals, the rest of it is just diving another layer deeper and unwrapping another layer. And of course, awesome. like all things, the more layers you unwrap, the more layers there are to unwrap right. and you can keep diving deeper <laughs> for a whole lifetime. At multiple probably, right? Um mm -hmm. I find it interesting to see how the new knowledge that I acquire, and I'm sure lots of other people also, intermingles with knowledge that I already seem to have, whether it's something I've consciously learned in this lifetime or something that I'm remembering, and it all makes such beautiful sense. It's, mm. um, it's serendipitous and synchronistic. I, that's actually, that's one of the things that gives me chills because... I think it is really this, so the book project that I mentioned earlier that I'm launching really is about us reconnecting with our sacred ancestral feminine wisdom, because in days gone by, like in times past, we did know these things, like they, we didn't have to think about it, we would just look out the window, we would feel the pull of the tide, we would know, and this isn't, so much of that has been lost over time, but it still is woven into, and I just keep getting chills while I'm talking about this. Um, so, for example, here in Italy, one of my girlfriends lives just in the foothills of the mountains near where I am. And she said that in her little, so they live in like a little hamlet where there it's used to be like, you know, side by side, like it's one big structure, but there are lots of little apartments and houses in this structure out in this farming village. And she said some of her neighbours will only go and collect wood at certain phases of the moon because the amount of moonlight apparently affects the 
level of sap in the wood, which oh. then affects how effectively it burns or whether it smokes or whether it so they will only collect it or they'll only harvest wood or only cut wood at certain phases of the moon so people are still using this knowledge and this wisdom that's been passed down but in our modern society i think things like that end up being more not restricted but left to the more um I guess, rustic people who are in more farming communities and things where they're still connected with the earth because yeah. a lot of us in our city living and our things like that, we become disconnected from the natural cycles of the earth. And Absolutely. when we do that, we lose that wisdom. I feel, and, like, I feel like it's almost dismissed, the wisdom yeah. that, that really resonates. Um, my family, my grandmother's grandfather, so like, you know, way back in the line. Mm -hmm. He was a farmer. We, they've all, they were all farmers. And he would plant and harvest based on the moon cycle. And yeah. then his son and grandson were like, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. And so now he will come through to me and guide my husband because we're actually farming his original farm now. And he'll guide my husband about certain things that need to be done at certain times based on the moon cycle. Oh my goodness. I, when you said that, like that sent full shivers like through the back of my head and through my whole body. Um, and it's so true because as we became more scientific and could prove certain things or certain not things, we stopped listening to the intuition. Like yeah. not even just women, but men as well, like stopped listening to that because there were more scientific ways to do it and there were better, more technological ways to do it. And as we then come and reconnect, and I bet your husband notices that his harvests are better when he listens to that wisdom than when he ignores it and just does what science tells him. <laughs> well, he has to listen to me because to I'm in his ear, so... <laughs> Yeah, it, it really does make a difference. It, and honestly, I like dead people better than a lot of living people. So I'd rather talk to the dead great great grandfather than than yeah. anybody else who wants to give me input on it. But <laughs> oh, I love that though. I think that's so beautiful that you guys are also still farming that ancestral land too. Like the roots must just be so deep where you are. It is. I mean, you're definitely in an area that things go back farther than they do here in the U.S. But for U.S. standards, it's pretty long history on one piece of property for one family. My kids are the sixth generation on the farm. Mm, so beautiful. I love that. I did feel it's funny because coming from Australia, which is a relatively new country, like even newer than the U.S., and when I say new, I don't mean that in terms of like, it's a very old country and the First Nations people of Australia are some of the oldest nations of people anywhere in the world. But they were a nomadic people who didn't build structures or like buildings or, you know, like, so modern Australian society really only dates back to the first white settlers back in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And in Western mm -hmm. Australia, where I'm from, really, it's like the mid to late 1800s. So almost nothing, almost no building in Australia is more than about 200 years old, right? 
So when we came to Italy, when we moved to Italy, it was like, it was completely unfathomable because when I arrived, it was almost like you could feel the weight of history. It wasn't heavy weight, but like there was like this weight of history descending where you could feel lifetimes of people walking the streets. You know, you would walk into, you know, the middle of the Vatican City or whatever, and you'd look at it and you'd think people have been here. Like people in Australia have been hanging out maybe for 200 years on that, you know, like at that, at that building. But people who have been here, or you'd go to the Roman Forum, right, the Colosseum, and you're like, people have been hanging out here for 2,000 years, yeah. like 10 times longer, 10 times more lifetimes than in Australia. And it's like the feeling of the weight of all of those lifetimes, thinking about like feeling those other lifetimes walking the streets you know like ghosts walking through you kind of thing or walking we went down to so my mum's family is actually from just um south of rome a bit north of naples mm-hmm. and we went down to see some of my mum's cousins who still live there and they took us out to a little roman amphitheater and there is this cobblestone like these big and when i say cobblestone i don't mean like this big i mean like big cobblestone roads that are part of the original Via Appia, which was the road, you know what that saying, all roads lead to Rome? Mm-hmm. It was the roads that went from Rome, from the Roman Empire to Napoli and basically the length of Italy to Florence to oh, Milan, wow. all of the roads that went to Rome. That road had been there for like 2,000 years, these rocks, these people, these, and you could see like carriage grooves in it where, you know, like horses and carts and all kinds of things over this 2000 years and it was like and it's still here to this day and it just blows my mind even you go into a cathedral that took 800 years to build right not just just, you know because they built it in like 18 months but the vision that they had for this building they knew wasn't going to be completed in one person's lifetime. Right. They knew it wasn't even going to be finished in 10 people's lifetimes. <laughs> and it's magnificent. Like it just, it blows me away. And it, so it, but it also really reconnected me to the earth because the cycle of the seasons here in Australia, we didn't really have like defined seasons like spring, summer, autumn, winter. I don't really get winter where we are in the way that the US or the way that the Northern Hemisphere gets winter because um, we don't get snow at all, like mm. ever. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh. <laughs> probably a bit more like Sedona, right, all year round, um, and except without any snow. And... <laughs> So coming here where it's very defined 12 weeks and then it's summer and then 12 weeks and then suddenly it's like someone flips the light switch and it's autumn, the trees are all changing, you're getting more rain, summer is over, it's definitely autumn, 12 weeks later, now it's winter and you feel, you f- it's like you feel the change in the air when it happens that, okay, autumn's here now. Well, And it's, it's coupled with that deep ancestral heritage if your mom's family is from there too i can only imagine that it connects even more deeply for you oh that's amazing like i just want to come experience with it <laughs> with you it, was, it did very much feel like coming home to the lands of my ancestors right and it's funny because i've had a couple of past life readings since then 
and apparently I have had many, many, many lifetimes here. Um, and, and also in the UK as well and Greece. So like through Europe is very deeply, um, I guess spiritually connected for me and I, I feel it here. Like coming here just it changed so much internally for me. That's amazing. I love that connection. Um, I think we probably could talk about uh, talk for the whole time about that connection and that um, ancestral experience for you. So we'll put that on our list for one of the next episodes we do together. Before we wrap up, I want to ask, who is your favorite witch, bitch, or dead person? No offense to any loved ones that she doesn't pick. It's just in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Favorite witch, bitch, or dead person. Like, now they're going to compete. <laughs> um, you really put me on the spot, and now my mind's gone blank. Um, how embarrassing. Oh, no, not at all. Because, like, they are all like, it's me, Tracy. Oh, no, it's me. No, me. Oh, no, me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I guess, okay, one of my favorite witches of all time is Anne Mora. I'm not sure if you're mm. familiar with her. She she is in the U.S. She has been around since before social media and the Internet. So I, I discovered her work. So she was quite pivotal for me, I guess, in like my witchcraft journey because she wrote a book. She's written several books, but she wrote a book called Green Witchcraft. Now, there are lots of books called Green Witchcraft now, but she wrote the first book called Got Green it. Witchcraft back in like the late 90s, mm. early 2000s. And she really opened my eyes to what witchcraft could be that didn't have to conform to Wicca specifically. Mm -hmm. And I guess that opened my, opened me up on different levels, especially looking back now, 20 years later and seeing how not knocking Wicca at all. Like I have lots of friends who are Wiccan and sure. I, you know, I've, 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 I've been there. But a lot of the structure of it is actually still has been decided by men, mm. right? So when I'm more interested in connecting with that sacred ancestral, like feminine wisdom, yeah. and looking back, I guess Anne was really pivotal in seeing witchcraft from an, a perspective where it wasn't then dictated by lords and ladies or having that patriarchal hierarchical structure within it where if you were not a first if you were a third degree or a second degree or a first degree Wiccan or you know like you that you but where everyone was kind of equal I guess like you just were you just were a witch you could be an ancestral witch that was fine but if you were coming into it and you were called to it because you wanted to work with the earth or you wanted to do whatever it was. And because her green witchcraft very much, I guess it resonated because it was so connected to the earth. And I guess that was what my soul was calling to so long ago. Um, and now here I am full circle 20 odd years later. I love it. I'm totally going to find that book and read it this weekend. It sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that. She also um, has a really great tarot for the green witch book as well. Oh, cool. Which talks about tarot interpretations but coming from that green witch perspective. And it is Neat. my favorite tarot book of all time. 
Awesome. So I have plenty to read this weekend. I'm on it. No pressure. Um, <laughs> where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work? Okay. So if you would like to connect with me, I am pretty much on all of the platforms. You can find me on Facebook under Tracy Rampling Brown or at Vibrant Coach on Instagram and Facebook for coaching. If you are interested, if I, you know, piqued your appetite about the book project I've got going, you can find that at Gemini Moon Press. So um, awesome. I will send you the links to that one as well, Jamie, because Fantastic. that website only just went up over the last two days. So <laughs> Awesome. You have the best names. Oh, that, <laughs> that one came to me. That one was definitely divinely inspired. Beautiful. The best things are. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. And I want to thank everyone who's tuned in to listen to our banter today. See you next week on Witches, Bitches and Dead People. Peace and badass magic. Thank you for listening to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Jamie Hearn. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. 